Scripture reading for today comes from Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. Hear now the word of the Lord. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness? Now then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law, and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law, for the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith, rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Um, my name is Han, and for those who do not know me yet, um, I'm a field intern here at Graceway. Um, today, we'll continue looking at the Epistle to the Galatians. Um, if you will remember the sermons from last few weeks, Apostle Paul wrote this letter with a clear goal of rebuking and correcting the churches in Galatia. After planting churches in Galatia, Paul left the area to continue his work of spreading the gospel in other regions. During Paul's absence, a group of false teachers showed up in Galatia and started teaching the young Christians about the importance of following the law, more specifically the necessity of getting circumcised. Circumcision was the hallmark of what set Jews apart from other pagans because it showed physically and visibly the covenantal relationship between God and the people of Israel. So when Gentile Christians heard the message from the false teachers, it made them doubt the teachings of Paul, which Paul taught with all his passion. To Paul, The churches in Galatia were like his babies. He cared deeply for them. I mean, how could he not when he had to risk his life to bring the good news to the Gentile population? Imagine having a flower garden that you put a lot of effort to grow. While you were gone for a while, a family of deer came and trampled all over your flower garden. That is how Paul must have felt when he found out that his people were being misled. So in today's part of the letter, 
We can continue to see Paul's indignation and frustration. I mean, look at what Paul is calling Galatians from the very beginning. He calls them foolish. That is not a nice way to address someone. But of course, Paul is not calling them foolish out of hatred or because he actually thought they were intellectually inferior. In fact, it was quite the opposite. Paul cared for them and felt so close to them that he didn't feel the need to hide his frustration to seem polite. It's like when you tell your friend who is in a toxic relationship that their boyfriend or girlfriend doesn't seem like a good person and that they should get out of it. If you weren't that close to them and didn't care enough for them, you wouldn't tell them those things. which could jeopardize the relationship. But you show your disapproval or disagreement because you really care for their happiness and well-being. So Paul wanted them to know that he was disappointed in them. However, instead of condemning Galatians for following the wrong crowd, he asks, who bewitched you? Paul was upset not only at Galatians, but also the people who led them astray. So he accuses his opponents for putting his people under an evil spell. In the first century, there still existed people who practiced harmful magic. So it is possible that Paul might have thought that these false teachers operated out of demonic influence. But why would he think of such an extreme case? That's because Paul was confident that his message of Jesus on the cross was compelling enough to convince Galatians to not fall into any other false teachings. But it was not just the gospel message that Galatians received. They had a first-hand experience of the Holy Spirit. They were not only moved by the story of Jesus, but was also touched by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because of this, Paul just could not accept what was happening in Galatia. As we live, we experience many big and small events. Some of them are more memorable than others, but we all have memories that are very special. For some, it could be a memory of your child's first day at school. For others, it could be a memory of buying your first car. I mean, I still remember when I had my first pizza. (laughs) I think I was around three or four. My grandmother took me to this fancy restaurant where you had to use fork and knife. Well, having to use fork and knife was considered fancy and exotic in Korea back in the 90s. Anyways, um, even though I don't remember what kind of pizza I had then, I remember that it was my first pizza. And that's what I'm talking about. A special memory that sticks to you throughout your lifetime. And for Paul and Galatians, this special memory was of them receiving the Holy Spirit. And they all shared this unique and memorable experience together. The scripture does not elaborate on exactly what kind of experience did the Holy Spirit bring, at least in this part. 
but we can guess from a scene in Acts chapter 2 of the story of Pentecost that Galatians might have spoken in tongues, prophesied, and maybe even witnessed other miracles. It could have also been that the experience changed the life of the Galatians to exhibit more of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, such as love, joy, peace, and so forth, that are explained in Galatians chapter 5. No matter what the experience of receiving the Spirit was like, it surely was one of a kind and a lasting one. But as soon as Paul left the Galatian church and the false teachers came, Galatians started doubting the completeness of the work of Christ. They wanted to be perfect and did not realize that the work has already been done. Even with the Holy Spirit working miracles among them, they started wondering if there was something they were missing. Really? After all that? That was Paul's reaction. Truly, how, how foolish were the Galatians? But were they really that foolish? Well, how about us? Every day we wake up with concerns for the day. Worries, small or big, easily block our sight from seeing the great works that Jesus Christ has done for us. And we so easily forget the joy of walking with Christ and relying on Him. When life presents us with new challenges, we forget the free gift of the Holy Spirit and the invitation to commune with God by simply believing in Him. Instead, we seek for something else, something that feels more tangible, something that can be under our control, something like the law and circumcision that Galatians try to hold on to. Now Paul asks the Galatians, Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law? Or did you receive the Spirit by believing what you heard? Both Paul and the readers knew that they received the Spirit by hearing and believing in the gospel. To receive the Holy Spirit, all they had to do was to have faith in Christ. It wasn't their good deeds or their law observance that brought about the experience of the Holy Spirit. Paul asks Galatians not once but twice in verse 2 and 5 how they had received the Holy Spirit because he really wanted them to know and to remember what had happened. Instead of telling them and explaining to them how the Spirit um, came upon them, Paul wanted his people to come to a realization that it did not take any of their actions other than having faith. When Galatians accepted Jesus as their Lord, God immediately started God's work in them. And this work was the one that had been planned years and years before from the time of Abraham and even before that. Even though Galatians only recently formed a relationship with God as new Gentile Christians, God had already embraced them long before they had known God. When God made a covenant with Abraham, 
He blessed him by saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Abraham entered a covenantal relationship with God only based on his faith. And this promise of blessing was given before God's ordering of circumcision. And it included not only the descendants of Abraham, but all the Gentiles, all nations. So the work of of redeeming all people was already underway, which manifested to our eyes through the work of Christ. Paul brought up Abraham to explain how it is only faith that mattered the most to our salvation because Abraham himself was accepted into God's bigger plan of the human redemption only through his faith. But the opponents argued otherwise. They were Jewish Christians who believed that following the law and getting circumcised would perfect their faith. It is unclear why Paul's opponents brought such a message to Gentile Christians who are not even subject to following the Mosaic law. But we can assume a reason for that. Scholars have suggested that Paul's opponents advocated circumcision and law observance to avoid persecution by Jewish Jewish zealots by proving their loyalty to the law. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 6, verse 12, it is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. From this, we can tell that Paul was cautious of people wanting to look a certain way to fit into the culture of the wider society. Paul knew that people had very little intention of following the law to please God and living righteously. He saw through people's hearts and found other intentions, such as the desire to fit in and to play safe. But this was not the only issue. Paul was upset with his opponent's message because they taught Galatians to rely on themselves to become righteous. This, in other words, meant that Galatians would not surrender to God completely, but rather depend on how well they accomplished the works of the law. Paul knew that even though the law was placed in order to help us and to guide our life, it could not save us. In fact, the custom of the law observance became so restrictive in Jesus' time that it was more of a hindrance to everyday life. Jews came up with an extensive amount of oral law to prevent themselves from breaking the law of the Torah. So, for example, for Sabbath alone, there were listed 39 prohibited acts. How can you get around living or going through Sabbath without having to break one of them. It's a lot of them. The law, we, the law which was meant to keep people safe was now limiting their freedom. People's focus on keeping the law became so great that they found themselves following the law only for the sake of following rather than for seeking a closer relationship with God. Paul saw this problem and writes in verse 10 that All who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. 
He knew that no one can be justified before God by the law. Without Christ's saving power, we can never match up to God's righteousness. No matter how hard we try, we only ultimately arrive at a place where we find ourselves faulty of something. The history of Israelites shows this. Even with the Torah and hundreds of oral laws, Israelites kept making the same mistakes of wandering away from God. The number of preventive measures did not lead people to salvation. We chose to sin from the very beginning and continued to do so. So the more laws we came up with, the more sinful we became. In this way, the law became a curse because we could never fulfill its requirement. But thankfully, Paul doesn't stop there. He reminds Galatians of the good news that Christ came and redeemed us from the curse by becoming the curse for us. By this, Paul is meaning that Christ bore our sin and died with it. Christ was resurrected to show the power and glory of God and to show his ultimate victory over sin. He became the curse by being in our place and thus freed us from sin. Paul wanted people to see what they were doing to themselves. Instead of enjoying the freedom in Christ, Galatians became anxious and doubtful. Even with the powerful experience of the Holy Spirit, they wanted a visible, tangible token that can reassure their righteousness. Moreover, they wanted to become like others. In this case, they wanted to become like Jews and be part of the Abrahamic family by getting circumcised. They wanted to do something for themselves to soothe their anxiety and fear of not being righteous enough, not being perfect enough, and not being good enough. Isn't this what we experience in our life as well? God saved us already with the blood of Christ. We live with the Holy Spirit in us. But we still look for something more, something to soothe our anxiety of not being good enough and not being righteous enough. So while we are already the children of God and a part of the family of Abraham, we try to perfect ourselves through other means. We sometimes obsess over making more money or gaining higher social status. And we obsess over many other things in hopes of making us complete. I'm very guilty of this myself. As I'm nearing the end of my graduate program, I have been having quite a lot of anxiety about my future. To soothe my anxiety, I started planning. Planning is one of my favorite things. Um, And planning is all good. But I started obsessing over having perfect plans because plans made me feel like I was in control. In a way, plans became my law, something that I followed religiously to feel safe and complete. So what does Paul say we do in place of following our own laws or obsessing over getting circumcised metaphorically? 
He writes in verse 11, The one who is righteous will live by faith. Hmm. So we need to live by faith. Well then, what is living by faith? A quick story gives us the answer. In Mark chapter 10, a young rich man comes up to Jesus and asks what he should do to inherit the eternal life. Jesus first asks the man if he has obeyed all God's commandments, and the young man answers, yes. Then Jesus asks the young man to sell all his belongings. And as he asks this, he also says to the man, come, follow me. The story tells us that living by faith is entrusting ourselves entirely to Christ. It is doing all we can to please God and then leaving the rest up to God by simply coming near Him and following Him. Paul reminds us today that God's redemptive work has already been done in and through Christ, which made it possible for us to become righteous by simply having faith in Him. So it is not our works or how good we make ourselves look in human society that makes us righteous. We are made righteous when we believe in Christ. And when we do that, we can be assured that we are already good enough in God's eyes. Would you please pray with me? Thank you, Lord, for speaking us today through Paul's letter to Galatians. Lord, we thank you for teaching us that it was not by our works that we received your Holy Spirit, but that it was your grace and love towards us that allowed us the experience of walking with you. We thank you for making us righteous in our faith in Christ. Please help us to entrust our life to you so we can enjoy our freedom in you and keep reminding us to live by faith. May you guide us and bless us in every part of our life. And we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.